Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, now, I do want to go ahead and, and kind of discuss a couple things here today. We are going to be getting into a great film here that kind of helps boost into Halloween, since that's kind of, we're in October now. Uh, I do have my current co-host here with me, Eva. Hello, hello. Good to have you here. Uh, now, <laughs> I want to kind of cover, because I actually got feedback, uh, we got feedback on one of the very first episodes we did, you and I did together. Uh, I think it was the very first one, yes. Yeah, uh, Jonathan C. actually wrote in on our Facebook page to uh, talk about the Ferris Bueller's Day Off podcast that we did a few months very back. Very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. basically what he said, uh, I'm, Jonathan, I, I do apologize. I am kind of paraphrasing just to kind of keep it a little short and sweet. <laughs> he wrote in, he said that there were some responses to, he had some responses to some of the confusion that we might have talked about. Yeah. Uh, he kind of talked a little bit, he touched on how, uh, Ferris's sister Jeannie had, uh, she didn't recognize Rooney as an intruder. Oh, that was one of the things I was confused about, huh? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he was disheveled. He came in. She said, <laughs> he said basically that that's probably why, you know, she he looked at her – she looked at him and saw that he was, you know, really disheveled and kind of looked like a burglar. So that may have been why he attacked uh, yeah. without – you know, why she got – why she attacked him yeah. was that she didn't really recognize him at first. And I, and I – you know what? I totally agree with that to a point. I actually do too, yeah, because – yeah, and, and also the fear of the moment and everything too. You're right. not really thinking straight. That's, that's a very good point. Right. Yeah. And initially I can totally agree with that because – he came in, she saw him, and she freaked because, you know, you get that in the moment. The adrenaline's going. You don't know what the hell's going on. She mm -hmm. threw off a snap kick to his face. <laughs> that was okay. awesome. But she yeah. didn't recognize who he was later because she found his wallet. That's right. So, you yeah. know, and, and she was, when yeah. she called the cops, she was panicked. <laughs> she didn't know who it was. She's like, there's an intruder. Come get him type thing. That's right. And then she found the wallet. Yes. So, you know. Okay. I Very get that. cool. Thank that's you. The first, yeah. That's the first part. Now, the second part, he said, is that Rooney stood with Sloan before she was picked up for one of two reasons. It was either because he made a fool of himself on the phone with her supposed dad and wanted yes. to apologize, or it uh -huh. was because he still believed Ferris was behind it. Could be either one of those. You're right. And that well, actually makes a lot of sense. I, I tend to think that maybe he thought it was Ferris and he was just out to just try to get Ferris one more time. But yeah, that's a very, yeah, either way. It could be, it's kind of up for interpretation. Very well, cool. He did, but I'm going to bring this up because he was out there because Cameron screwed up. Cameron, Cameron actually said that he wanted Sloan standing out front. And that he wanted Rooney oh. there with him. Because if you remember, he, he got beat up by Ferris. Ferris was yelling at him. Ferris got mad because he said, yeah, I want and, you and Rooney out front. That's right. Right. And That's that was right. the whole plot hole. That was the whole plot thing, plot element oh. for why they had to take the Ferrari versus taking Cameron's piece of shit car. Gotcha. Because of the, yeah, they had, it had to be, yeah, you're right. And he had the trench coat and the hat and the, and the whole dad disguise going on there yeah. because... That's right. You know, okay, they, so couldn't, they couldn't show up because they wouldn't believe that Mr. Peterson drove a piece of crap. That's right. They had to look sophisticated and look, yeah, well-to-do. Gotcha. You know what? Yeah, so Cameron's mess-up was what spawned that whole rest of that plot, yes. essentially. 
Gotcha. So, okay. So, Jonathan, I do want to thank you for putting in that yeah. input here. Uh, we do appreciate it. Yeah, and for anybody cool. else thank who you. wants to send us feedback, please let us know. We'll be happy to discuss it on air here. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So, jumping into our topic this week, we are going to be talking, we're going to be going back to 1988 uh, to talk about mm-hmm. an American comedy horror fantasy film. Now, this film was directed by Tim Burton. Uh, was produced mm-hmm. by the Geffen Film Company and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Any guesses as to what this film is? Beetlejuice! Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the plot basically develops around, it revolves around a recently deceased young couple who become ghosts. Uh, they come back to their home to haunt it. Uh, mm-hmm. They have an obnoxious, devious, uh, he calls himself a bio-exorcist, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, And he's trying to scare away the new people permanently. Uh, Mm -hmm. Film has Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Uh, It's got Gina Davis. It's got Alec Baldwin. uh, Winona Ryder. Lots Uh, of big names in this. Yes. And I mean, this is kind of where some of them got their starts. So Yeah. It's crazy that I had, this is my first time seeing this movie. I'm 36 years old and I've never seen this movie until watching the, you know, watching it for the podcast. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I love it. Well, let me ask, what were your thoughts on the film? Oh, well, I first thought within, you know, within the first 15 minutes, I'm like, this is so cute. And then as I got further into it, I'm like, this is so cute and so bizarre. <laughs> and then I got further in, I'm like, what the fuck? Welcome to a Tim <laughs> Burton film. <laughs> exactly. And I, yeah, I just, the whole, I mean, I enjoyed everything, but it was still, I mean, the mo- the overall impression was, this is really cute, but what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, well, I I gotta admit, all of Tim, you know, I I have to say this about Tim Burton's films. Pretty much all of them have that what the fuck element. Yeah, Uh, and I'm not a big Tim Burton fan either, so I've I've seen a few of his movies, but that's typically not the genre that I, or, you know, he's typically not a director that I favor, but I I really did like this one. I I thought it was a great movie. It's a classic, and I don't know why I never saw it. Maybe I was scared off by it, because he he was pretty scary. Yeah. Um, and then well, it came out when we were 10 or 11, so I might have just said, oh, I'm not going to like this. It's yeah, too- and, and I mean, I'm going to bring this up because this was something, you know, I I was young when I saw this film. You know, I was old enough to be able to see the film and understand that, hey, this is fake. However, yeah. I'm going to admit that the movie kind of gave me, I don't want to call them nightmares because they really weren't yeah. nightmares, but it was more of like, yeah. it, it was more I woke up in a cold sweat from some of the stuff. <laughs> Kind of got like the heebie-jeebies from it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw I, I, I when I was you know when I was eleven or whatever when the movie came out. I saw it. Yeah. And I woke up because there's a scene in the movie where Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin end up coming back from the dead, and they they kind of start getting old, and they're coming back in their wedding dress. Yeah. I had a dream where I woke up and dreamt that I was married to Gina Davis. Now. Gina oh. Davis was very hot in this film. She looked, she was oh. very attractive in this film. Yeah, she was. But where did I dream? I dreamt of her being the old and falling apart thing that she was in her wedding dress. And I'm dreaming that oh. that's what I was married to. Oh, God, that's creepy. Definitely. <laughs> what the fuck, you know. <laughs> you know and you kind of wake up oh, in a cold no. sweat of like, oh, my God. You know, and it was just, it was a weird, creepy thing. And so because of that, I didn't really care much for the movie. I mean, it, it's. It's mainly that creepiness to it, the creepy factor yeah. to it. Plus, yeah. I thought that, you know, I thought that Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice was very obnoxious. 
Oh, he um, was. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I will give him this. I didn't like his character. I didn't like Beetlejuice. I didn't either, yeah. But he was spot on for what he was. He was supposed oh. to be this, this obnoxious asshole type character. Yes, and he pulled it off great. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, for that, I will give him props for this. Yes, I, it kind of, as I was watching it, it reminded me of Jim Carrey in The Mask. And Jim Carrey pretty much in anything. But it was it was very, yeah, it was over the top. It was um, very, very Jim Carrey-esque. But it, it worked. And yeah, I didn't particularly like his character either. He was a, you know, he was a scumbag. But, it, you know, he, there was a humor to it. Oh, there yeah. was, you know, so there was the humor. You didn't like the character, but he was hilarious at the same time. So it was kind of, and I think maybe that was the, you know, what he was going for. Um, and I wouldn't have necessarily picked Michael Keaton necessarily to play that role. And, you know, because things I'd seen him in previously, you know, it, it, I think that he stretched um, his typical acting chops for this, you know, for lack well, of a better word. There, and there's some bits of trivia I have on that here. We'll, oh, really? We'll get yeah. To that I, here, but why I think don't we go ahead. did an excellent job. Yeah. Um, what we'll do, I, I have a couple things I want to cover on this film here real quick before we delve into the cast. Uh, sure. Some of the, some of the big things with this film, uh, this was actually coming off of the heels of Pee Wee's big adventure, which was actually one of Tim yeah. Burton's first films. Uh, so yeah. he was kind of, he was kind of sent a couple of scripts uh, he was kind of like, yeah, you know, these scripts are really kind of just flat. Uh, Michael mm -hmm. McDowell sent him the original script for Beetlejuice, and Burton said, yeah, you know what, I'll pick up and direct this. Mm -hmm. uh, but he did end up hiring uh, some other writers to come in and, and rewrite the film. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this particular film, Beetlejuice, was a financial success. Uh, mm -hmm. It was also a very critical success. It made $73.7 million uh, from a budget of only 15. So wow. you know, it, it more than tripled its pay, you know, or quadrupled, nice. its, quadrupled its investment. So, yeah, uh, I wonder what that equates to now. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you. I'm sure, hey, if there's anybody listening who's a math major and yeah. who knows how to figure for adjust for inflation, please go ahead and let us know. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. I've never, I'm not a very good mathematician myself, but, yeah. you know, the inflation, I mean, I remember. God, you know, not even 20 years ago, learning how to drive and gas being 99 cents a gallon or less than that even, yep. you know, so I know, okay, my God, I, that's kind of what I do is I go back and go, God, I remember in 1995 when I got my license, you know, gas cost this much and here it is now, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, you know, going that far back, it, it'd be, you know, I'm curious to know yeah, what now, that would equate to. A couple of things with this particular movie, while I didn't care for it, it actually did do really well in the awards field. Uh, oh, uh -huh. it it won the Academy Award for Best Makeup. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, it won nice. three Saturn Awards for Best Horror Film, Best Makeup, and Best Supporting Actress for Sylvia uh, Sidney. Uh, uh -huh. And that was actually Sylvia Sidney's final award before she died in 1999. Now, was that the woman who played the, um, the uh, case manager? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. She looked very familiar, and I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me remember her name. Okay. Yeah, she was, she was actually a stunner when she was younger. But mm, mm -hmm. uh, now the film did spawn an animated TV series. Uh, and, really? Yeah. Oh God! It was. It ran for like four or five seasons on that animated TV series. And, really? Yeah. In the, in the cartoon show, uh, I did find it kind of interesting with the cartoon show because when the cartoon show came out, it had. Instead of having the the Maitlands, which was you know Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin, instead of having those characters, 
Yeah. It actually revolved around a friendship between Lydia and Beetlejuice. Oh, interesting. I never so, didn't I did not know that. But then again, I had never seen the movie. So yeah, and yeah. The, the other thing that I remember I remember it stuck in my head was that uh. there were little commercials that kept getting put into every single episode of Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. 99% of the cartoon was line art animation. You know, your standard oh. cartoon style. Uh, when we think of cartoons, we think of, you know, 2D animation. Mm-hmm. However, all these little commercials that took place in the netherworld, uh, yeah. they actually had cartoon. It was all computer animation done with these skeletons and whatnot running around. And oh, so the wow. cartoons, that was like my first thing where I kind of went, well, hey, this is a great use of computer animation. And mm-hmm. you know, I didn't realize that until, you know, towards the end of the film that, hey, they were using a lot of computer animation, which at that time. You know, was a big was, thing. Yeah. I mean, it, computer yeah. animation at that time was still very expensive. Yeah. You know, now it's now, geez, you watch just about anything and they're doing it with flash, flash animation on the computer or they're doing it with, you know, yeah. 3D animation. You know, so it's it's not a surprise to me mm-hmm. that they're using more of it. And, you know, unfortunately, the line art animation is falling by the wayside, which yeah. that to me, it, it hurts me to see that. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, so what we'll do here, we'll go ahead and we'll delve into the cast at this point. Okay. Uh, we, we obviously are going to have some big names here for this film. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with Michael Keaton. Uh, yeah. You know, Michael Keaton was Beetlejuice. He was the main character of this film. And the kicker with this is that he was only on screen for 17 minutes out of the entire film. I was going to ask about that. I didn't time it, but I noticed that. I was like, he's really not on here all that much at all. But it's mainly towards the end. But, yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. You know, here he is, this big character. You know, he is yeah. what, the, what the film is named after. Yeah, the title yet, character, and you don't see him. Yeah, he's only yeah. there for 17 minutes. And I'll be damned. when he did this film, he actually was one of the few who agreed to do the film. Uh, a lot of a lot of actors, they, they wanted bigger name actors, and the bigger name actors wouldn't do the film because oh, really? their face had to be covered up with makeup. They weren't going to be easily recognized. Oh, wow. So Keaton agreed to it, knowing that he was going to be covered up with all this makeup. You could still tell it was him, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what yeah. what I found, though, was that it was different from some of his other roles. Uh, yeah. You know, when you look at when you look at him, he, he went on later after Beetlejuice to do Bruce Wayne. He worked again with Tim Burton on Batman and Batman Returns. That's right, you yes. Know, nice. He was Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh-huh. Uh, he took on the role of Jack and Mr. Mom. Uh, mm-hmm. Before he did, before he did Beetlejuice, that's a great uh, movie. Yeah, you know he was Hunt Stevenson and Gung Ho, which I loved it. I know you said you didn't care for it, but I thought it was a great <laughs> film. That was me. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll still cover it. Uh, yep. But his most recent works, you know, this is going to surprise several people. Uh, you know, Sarah, Sarah Dara. I know if you're listening here, when you did uh, when when you did our podcast together, and I heard you talking about how you were surprised that. Michael Keaton was Ken in Toy Story 3. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, he was Ken in <laughs> Toy Story 3. He wow. also, he that's not his first Pixar acting job, though. Oh. He was also Chick Hicks. He was the voice of Chick Hicks, the uh, green stock car that was uh, Lightning McQueen's nemesis in the movie Cars. 
I'll be darned. You know. I didn't even catch that. Wow. I, I kind of wondered who it was, and I had to go back and look, and I'm like, yeah. holy crap, that's Michael Keaton. It it wow. did not sound like him at all. No, I'm so, shocked. I'll be darned. Yeah. You know, so it kind of it kind of caught me off guard with that, but I, you, you know, know, I'm very happy to see that. Yeah, he's still he's still working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he he's just not necessarily in front of the camera on on camera, but he's yeah. still he's still making a name for himself. Very cool. Uh, now moving down the list here, next one I have Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played as one of the main characters. We do see him on screen quite a bit. He played as Adam Maitland. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, was... he looks so young in that. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I was shocked because he was the first, you know, he was the first person that you see in the very first scene with yep. him and the spider. And I'm like, is that Alec Baldwin? And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Yeah. Again, coming at it from a completely new perspective because I had never seen it before. You know, it was just like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Alec has done numerous films and TV shows uh, before and after uh, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his earliest roles was on Knott's Landing as Joshua Rush. Uh-huh. Uh, he also appeared opposite Sean Connery in The Hunt for Red October as Jack Ryan. Yep. yep. Uh, he was the auto salesman and manager Blake in Glengarry Glen Ross, which if you've never seen it. Never know, seen it. ABC always be closing, you know, okay. first prize there. God, there's some great lines from that film, you know, What's first it, what prize, is it called? Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's some lines in there. Coffee's for closers. That's a great line. Uh, first set, you know, you know, we've got a prize here. We've got a contest. We're going to be running for sales for, for this first prize is a Cadillac. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. <laughs> so yeah, you you got to see it. And I I know I'm not doing a good job of quoting it, but if you haven't seen it, go see that film. It's one of those okay. one of those better roles. Very uh, nice. And and then of course we have people you've probably recognized him because he's been uh he's been kind of the face of uh NBC's 30 Rock. He he's been main character on there and he's also been the face of the Capital One commercials as of late. Yes. Uh one thing that did surprise me about this, he has—he was also, if you ever saw uh, the movie Rise of the Guardians that came out from DreamWorks Pictures. Um, it sounds familiar. Uh, it had it had uh, Jack Frost and it had Sandman and it had uh, the Tooth Fairy and they were all yes, kind of running around. Yes, yes, And they I, also I had they also had like a Santa Claus type character that was kind of a Russian yes. Santa Claus. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin was the voice of the Russian Santa Claus. That he, oh, he was darn. he was the Santa esque North is the name of the character. Oh wow, I did not know that. I, I had no idea that. until I saw the credits. I was like, that was Alec Baldwin. Wow, yeah, we just saw that when we went to our you know to uh, DC. We went to and it was oh, playing okay. when we were in the hotel room, and I, I was kind of watching, kind of not, kind of you know in and out. Um, but yeah, that I wow. Very cool. Yeah. So surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. I love that when actors can do that where you don't necessarily know who they are or they sound kind of familiar, but you can't place them. Yeah. You know, but especially when they go out of their range and you don't know who the heck it is and you're surprised. I, lo- I love that. Yeah. Uh, now, next character. Um, poor Gina Davis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say. She's. 
Gina has she was a very lovely and very pretty woman when she, she was, was you know when she was earlier on. I <laughs> thought she was very hot in Beetlejuice. Yeah, um, I, you know, she played as Barbara Maitland in this film, who was basically the, you know, she was Alec, uh, she was um, Adam Maitland's wife. They're the two married, they're the married couple that you see at the very beginning, and they're they are the ones that end up becoming ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been kind of hit or miss with her career. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, just gonna say that, you know, and I'm sure I'm gonna catch hell from some people, but I'm gonna say oh. it. Yeah. Um. She was in Transylvania six five thousand with Jeff Goldblum and Eddie Ed Begley Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to say because I I saw the movie once and I don't remember it off the top of my head. I yeah. want to say that she played as like a vampire or something like that, but mm-hmm. you know, not too memorable. Uh, yeah, she did play in you know probably one of the greatest films I greatest baseball films I remember. She played oh, as yeah. Dottie Hinson in A League of Their Own. I love that movie, yes. And we'll oh my god, that. she was sexy in that film. She was very, very pretty in that movie. You know, yes. I, I, like, you know, it, I've always loved that, like, that style in that era when I see, like, 1940s type. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Betty Page. Models. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh-huh. You know, the pinup model type where they have their hair coiffed perfectly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've always loved that style. And, and so Me to see, see beautiful women like that. And Gina Davis perfect for that role she did she pulled it off yeah uh, we got to cover it yeah we, we'll have to go back and get that one probably you know we'll probably wait until maybe baseball season starts up next year but because we've got everything <laughs> planned for the rest of this year so yeah exactly but uh, we'll definitely have to cover a league of their own uh, mm-hmm. she was also thelma in thelma and louise where she played opposite mm-hmm. susan sarandon mm-hmm. uh, she was samantha kane in the long kiss good night Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she was President Mackenzie Allen in Commander in Chief. Uh, it was a short-lived ABC TV role where she was the President of the United States. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now I did see her recently. Um, she did a commercial for some. God, I want to say it was like, um, like one of these, uh, you know, help kids type thing in Africa or something. Oh, uh huh. Like a. Yeah. She looks commercial. broke. Yeah, she looks broke off. Oh my god. Oh no. She hasn't you, aged well, huh? You take one look at her face and you can tell that she's had way too much plastic surgery. Oh no. She had a beautiful face back in the day. Oh yeah. man. Well, that I'm always like, bumped me out. You can and you can no. tell that she had plastic surgery because like her forehead is perfectly smooth. Yeah. Her cheeks are perfectly smooth, and then she has like laugh lines around her mouth. Uh, her chin juts out, and you can see it looks like bubble on her chin. It, it oh, just, no. It looks so bad, and I'm kind of like, oh, Gina, 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 you know? Yeah, why why mess with that perfection, you know? That's, oh, that's too bad. You know, she and Molly Ringwald, and, you know, God, it seems like it's a common theme, isn't it, with all these movies that we're well, covering, and the actresses yeah. just not aging well. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. With, like, Molly Ringwald, she at least looks normal. She looks yeah. like she aged. I mean, like, yeah, she... You know, she's kind of, she's gained weight. Her face looks different. Yeah. But you look at her and you go, okay, she's aged. She's not had any work done per se. No, you she know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's aged. That's just the way she's aged. Yeah. You know, she, you know, Molly Ringwald looks good for that. Gina Davis, yeah. you can tell she had some bad plastic surgery and that's oh, what it is. Oh, man. Uh, that's bad. You know, now moving down the line in our cast here. Uh, to kind of keep ourselves on track. The next person yeah. I have is Winona Ryder. Now, yep. 
Uh, she played as Lydia Dietz, and she's kind of been a favorite of Tim Burton's, as far as I can tell, for her, yeah. for her roles. Uh, yeah. Because she showed up in Edward Scissorhands. Uh-huh. Uh, she was Susanna Kaysen in Girl Interrupted. Yep. Uh, she was Ali- She was in Alien Resurrection as Annalie Call. Mm-hmm. And then most recently, she came back to act with Tim Burton, uh, for Tim Burton in uh, Frankenweenie, where she voiced Elsa Van Helsing. Uh-huh. So she's kind of been around. Uh, I know that she's had her little issues with the law. Yeah. I want to say that she, if I remember correctly, she had... Uh, she'd walked into a store and stolen a necklace, and they kind of let her off with a slap on the wrist. My understanding was it was like $5,000 worth of stuff. It wasn't just one thing. It was quite a bit of stuff. I yeah. could be wrong, but I seem to remember that – did she just get a slap on the wrist, or did she actually get Oh, she didn't get trouble? any jail time. She It was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, you're going to get a fine, and she's like, okay, whatever. You know, oh, and, and that's she right. claimed yeah. she claimed that she did it because she was it was a role that she was trying to prepare for. Oh, okay. you know what? I'm sorry. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yep. But I will say this: I thought she was very hot and very cute in this film. I still have, you know, <laughs> I still find her attractive. She's still uh-huh. very attractive, but mm, you know, she's aged. She's oh, aged. I, I she's, haven't seen her recently. Have you? Is she still? I mean, I've always she thought still of looks her pretty good. She still yeah. looks pretty good. You know, she's definitely she's still got that. You know, the classic. I, I would say elfin, you know, pixie-ish type look. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. You know, she still looks good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I, I think of her and I think she's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's quirky. It's a quirky kind of attractiveness. You know, yeah, yeah, like I, I see her in, in my mind. All I can think of is maybe that girl interrupted act where you played as like a suicide, you know, a, a suicide, an attempted suicide victim. Yeah. Yeah, that maybe that wasn't too far off. <laughs> yeah, art imitating life. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe you are just a tad, just a tad crazy. Mm-hmm. Could very well be because you're right. She pulled that off pretty well too. Yeah. Uh, now the next person down the line here in our cast, uh, we have Catherine O'Hara as Dina. Uh-huh. Uh Catherine, Loved her in this. she is just one of these actresses that I I see her and I recognize her right off the bat. From, I like, do a bunch too. Of I, I can't too. ever remember like everything that she's done, but like I go, oh, I've seen her, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Catherine got her start really. She appeared on. She appeared in SCTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was Miss Malone on the completely mental misadventures of Ed Grimley. Oh wow! Uh, so okay. She, you know that was with um, uh, Martin Short when when he was oh. running around as Ed Grimley. Uh-huh. Uh, she was Kevin McAllister's mom in the Home Alone movies. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She was Carol Ward in HBO's Six Feet Under. Yep. And then she also showed back up with Tim Burton again. Uh, she was voicing Mrs. Frankenstein in Frankenweenie. Oh, okay, cool. I haven't so, seen that. Yeah, there's there's right. a whole bunch of cast members that are coming back from Beetlejuice to have nice. done Frankenweenie. So there's a lot of stuff there tied in. Nice. Uh, now, uh, next character I have Jeffrey Jones. Uh, I love uh, him. <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, I, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, It's more so that he plays these weird roles that I see him in. And, and yeah. I love him and I hate him because it, it's kind of like he plays either these really funny, goofy characters. And I or love assholes. him for that. And, yeah. And, yeah, or he plays a villain and I hate him. But yeah, to be fair, if you if you hate him as a villain, 
he's done a good job because he's now made you hate him. <laughs> exactly. I think in my notes, let me put, yeah, Jeffrey Jones. And then that was my first thing. I'm like, oh, my God, Ferris Bueller. You know, so that immediately, you know, because I and I know I've seen him in other things. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, I love how he was in Ferris Bueller. He was, you know, kind of a jerk. And then in this movie, I wouldn't say he was a jerk, but he was definitely, you know, obnoxious, snobby, yeah, you know, the yeah. whole family, you know, obnoxious, snobby and annoying. And I thought he did a great job. Well, I was like, Especially since he keeps talking about how he wants to buy out the town and that nobody has an idea yeah. of what the cost of, the, you know, what the value of their property is. Yeah. So snobby, but so. He, he, he plays these, these bad, you know, negative roles so well. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, like, for example, he, he was in this. Uh, he was in Ferris Bueller's Principal Rooney, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, he played as Emperor Joseph II in Amadeus. That's right. Yes. Um, he was Dr. Walter Jenning in a horrible, horrible film with uh, Tim Robbins and Tia, uh, not Tia Leone. Um, oh, my God. This is going to hurt me. Uh, Leah, T- <laughs> Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Um, uh, it was called Howard the Duck. Yes, thank you, thank you. you. Know, so it was so forgettable. I oh forgot. yeah, it was <laughs> it was horrible. But you know, oh. people will remember it simply because it was one of Tim Robbins' first acting jobs. Yeah, uh, it's just that horrible. <laughs> he also played, and I I loved him in this role. I I loved him and just kind of like despised him. I despised his character for this role. Uh, uh-huh. He played as Eddie Barzoon in The Devil's Advocate. Yes. And yes. oh my Thank God, I, I kept thinking that movie, that movie is an excellent film. I just because of what it was. Oh, yeah. And I kept thinking, holy fuck, because I thought at first when I saw it, I'm like, oh, OK, this is going to be some, you know, uh, some lawyer who's falling from grace type thing. And then I find yeah. out that, no, it's really about the devil himself and demons. And that doesn't really come in until about halfway through the film. No, it's very, yeah. And you realize how dark the film is and how paranormal it actually is. Mm-hmm. Kind of a surprise. So Yeah, yeah he um, did a good job in that one too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, moving down the list here, we, we have the next person here. Uh, unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Uh, this is Glenn Shaddix. Uh, Glenn Shaddix played as Otho in this film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he was the interior decorator art yeah. idiot that, you know, the fat guy that was running around there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he passed away, huh? Yeah. He actually passed away back in 2010 oh. uh, at his funeral because of this. They actually played uh, Deo. Oh, uh, I was going to say. They played, song. Oh, they played that. That was the last song they played at his funeral. Oh, and it was because he was dancing and singing Calypso and Beetlejuice. Yes. Uh, he did have quite a few roles on and off camera before he passed though. Uh, hmm. he played his associate Bob in demolition man, uh, wishing Sandra oh. Bullock and sliced loan to be well, uh, huh. <laughs> you know, be well, Lenina Huxley, be well. <laughs> uh, he also a lot of did he did a lot of uh, behind the scenes acting or off camera acting I should say uh, he mm-hmm. voiced Lonnie the shark on the cartoon series The Mask opposite Rob Paulson. Oh wow! Uh huh. Um, he was Poopy the clown and several other voices on Cow and Chicken. Okay. Uh, and perhaps his most famous off camera role when he got back together with Tim Burton he was the voice of the mayor of Halloween Town in Nightmare Before Christmas. 
I'll be darned. Yeah, which I, believe it or not, I have not seen that one either. So I need to see. <laughs> wow. Okay, so the next character we're going to talk about, moving down the list, uh, we're going to talk about Sylvia Sidney. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, we did mention that she did already win a Saturn Award for this film. Uh, she was also, she played as Juno, who was the uh, afterlife, afterlife caseworker for the Maitlands in the movie Beetlejuice. Uh, she was basically trying to help them get the Dietzes out of their house. Yeah. Uh, now, most of Sylvia's claims to fame come from earlier films in her career. Uh, mm-hmm. She did pass away in 1999. Obviously, she's no longer oh. with us. Yeah. Um, but she was an actress of the black and white film era. Uh, she yeah. starred with Spencer Tracy in Fury, uh, <sighs> as well as uh, Chocho San. She played as uh, Chocho San in Madam Butterfly. So, wow. And, and if you see her black and white photos, she was a gorgeous woman. Wow. She I looked mean, like, even in, the, even in Beetlejuice, you could tell she was a very, she was still very attractive for her yes, age. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she did play in a few later roles after Beetlejuice. Uh, she, hmm? I, I, you know, she was apparently, I guess, a good friend of Tim Burton's because she came back to play grandma. Excuse me. She came back to play grandma Norris in uh-huh. Tim Burton's Mars Attacks. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and then she did show up in the uh, in the rebirth or, or revival of um, Fantasy Island, uh, where she played as Clea uh, with Malcolm McDowell. Oh, cool! Uh, so she had she had her moments. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, now the next guy here, uh, Robert Goulet, who mm-hmm. he. <laughs> I, I see him and all I can think of is Lounge Singer because that's where a lot of his stuff was. Uh-huh. Um, Robert Goulet, he played as Maxie Dean in this film. Um, Who was and, that? Was that one of the friends? Yes. He was He was, okay. that, like, he was that creepy guy with the mustache that uh, Jeffrey Jones's character kept trying to sell on coming up to. Oh, that's right. Okay. Get out of the city. Yeah. Come up here and check this out. Yeah. You know? uh, he he kind of had a small role in this film, uh, but mm-hmm. he did show up in quite a few different films. Uh he was best known for his singing. Uh, uh-huh. He played as Tommy Albright on a TV movie of, of Brigadoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also the singing voice of Wheezy the Penguin in Toy Story 2. Oh, cool. So when you see at the very end of Toy Story 2, when Wheezy gets his voice back and he grabs the mic and he starts singing, yeah. that's Robert Goulet is singing it. Oh, neat. Uh, and if you remember the cartoon show uh, Recess from Disney... Um, vaguely, he, vaguely, yes. He was the singing voice of Michael Mikey Blumberg in that cartoon. Uh, oh, he was this—he was a little kid who, who wore a hat backwards, if I remember correctly. It's—it's it's been years since I saw the movie, since I saw the show. So, uh-huh. please excuse me, folks, if I don't remember. Please comment, and I'm sure I'll end up covering Recess at a later time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of my favorite roles for him, though, what I remember him most for. Uh, he was in the movie Naked Gun Two and a Half. He was the villain Quentin uh, Habsburg. I, I God, I think I saw that when it first came out. Wow, how cool! Oh yeah, I mean it was it was a horrible, horrible movie. But I mean, it, you know, was. it was. But then again, it was supposed to be kind of this tongue in cheek, you know, goofy, yeah, absolutely, goofy yeah, type was, film. So yeah. Uh, now, moving on to the plot of the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie here basically stars Barbara and Adam Maitland. Uh, they decide to spend their vacation decorating their their new home that they got mm-hmm. in New England. Uh, mm-hmm. They, you know, they're they're kind of like, okay, we could have gone away for vacation. We could have done this. We could have gone here. Could have gone there. Instead, they stay at home so that they can have a chance to be on on their own and by themselves. 
Yeah. Uh, while they're driving back from town, uh, they end up having an accident. They a dog runs out in front of them. They swerve. They crash through the bridge that goes over this little creek or river. Yeah. Uh, the car goes over and they end up getting killed. Well, they yeah. don't realize that they've died until they get back to the house. Yep. And once they're there, they they just start discovering that they've died because you know Alec Baldwin tries to go off the porch and he ends up on Saturn. Yeah. And you see these you see these things coming through the sand and whatnot, trying to eat him and whatnot, and he ends up getting pulled back by Gina Davis. Back that on... was a weird I'm sorry, that I have to interject. That was a what the fuck scene for me. <laughs> yeah, well again <laughs> That was the Tim, first what the fuck you know, scene. Yeah. Again, it's a Tim Burton <sighs> thing, so Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh but yeah, they, they show that uh there's other subtle clues that they start noticing that they're dead by looking in the mirror. And then they yeah. find uh, the handbook, the handbook for the recently deceased. I love that. Yeah, that was cute. And that's kind of where they're like, oh, we're dead. Yeah, what the heck? You know? uh-huh. uh, and, and so they get back home and then they notice like a few, what would be like, you know, a few days later for them that all of a sudden these people are moving into their house. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of where they discover that they're dead and that people don't see them. And they, they're like, oh, well, yeah, the living don't recognize the dead. Yeah. You know? And so they're kind of like, hmm. Uh, you know, they, they meet up with the family. You see Charles, who's the former real estate developer, uh, mm-hmm. his second wife, Delia, who's the sculptor, yep. um, Lydia, who's his goth daughter from the first marriage. And she oh. just is really kind of fucking weird. Oh God. Yeah. Black in every scene and pale oh, yeah. skin. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the goth thing going on there. You know, Looks dead. You know. Yeah. And, and, you know, they had this perfect idea of what the, what the, uh, house was going to be the you know the Maitlands had this perfect idea of oh we're gonna fix it up and we want it to look like this we want it to be this oh. idyllic little home and you know this cottage it was ugly thing. as fuck I'm sorry it was ugly as fuck <laughs> well you know it, it was that country clutter type stuff which I understand oh. that style I I have to say that I like that style a lot better than what the Deets has turned it into That's, no I'm talking about the outside of the house oh the outside was just god awful. Yeah. The, oh, well, the so outside bad. the outside of that house reminded me of something out of like Amityville horror. Yes, I just wrote that down on my notes. I put the windows on the side of the house when when uh, Renata Ryder was taking pictures of it. It was yes. totally Amityville horror. I was going to say, is that deliberate? Because it totally that was the first thought that popped in my head. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it was very creepy. I was like, this is an ugly, creepy house. <laughs> Which now, is the whole point, you know, it's, it's dealing with ghosts, so, yeah. yeah. And they, they're trying to figure out how to get out of the house, and, you know, they mm-hmm. finally discover that uh, by contacting their caseworker, they draw that door on the wall, which I thought was kind of uh-huh. funny. Yeah. And they end up getting to see the caseworker, and the caseworker tells them that they have to actually be stuck in the house on Earth for 125 years. Yep. And then after that, they can go off and do their own thing and be their own people or be their own ghosts in that sense. Yeah. Um, and of course that all that that happens with everything is kind of funny because there's, you get to see how people died and yeah. there's actually a little bit of trivia with that and that you see, like there's one guy who shows up and he ends up getting run over by a bus or a truck or something. And he's a little flat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another guy that you see that, uh, he has hung himself and he's handing papers out as he's going through hanging from the thing. Uh, yep. you see, um, you see another girl that's sitting there, uh, that she's the receptionist and she's got slit wrists. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You see, uh, their caseworker, Juno, she's got a, you know, slit throat. 
Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and, and there's a running joke. There, there's a joke that Otho makes while they're sitting there at the uh, – they're sitting there at the table. And he says, oh, yeah, you know, people who commit suicide, they end up becoming, you know um, – what was it? Uh, government workers or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so they, they end up becoming civil servants in the afterlife. That's right. <laughs> and sure enough, everybody who's everybody who you see in this office, you know, they're all, they're, they've all committed suicide either by hanging, throwing themselves in front of the bus, uh, uh-huh. slicing their wrists, slicing their yep. throats type thing, all that. Yep. That's why they're there where they're at. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, but, they end up finding out that they have to go ahead and scare the scare the uh, Dietzes out of the house if they want to live there and, and have the house to themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, Maitland's kind of remain invisible to uh, Charles and Delia. However, mm-hmm. their daughter Lydia, who is strange and unusual, can see them and she recognizes them because she's strange and unusual herself. Yeah. Uh, she kind of befriends the ghosts and they kind of befriend her. And mm-hmm. against Juno's advice, they contact Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. uh, who's a freelance bioexorcist ghost. Yes. Uh, who says he's going to scare away the Dietzes. Uh, mm-hmm. However, he's really, really kind of just brusque and offensive with everything. His his language, you know, I mean, he, he comes oh. off and he's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And he's, he's just nasty. He, he was. was nasty. He was so great. Uh, but yeah, he just—he was kind of just around. They—they they end up showing up, and and the Dietzes finally do call. They get uh, they get Jeffrey Jones's character's boss up there, and uh-huh. they're kind of trying to sell him on the town. They're talking about the insect zoo and getting Decon to sponsor, which I always thought was kind of funny because Decon Decon was supposed to be an insect, you know, a, a, a way to kill insects, and here they yeah. are sponsoring. You know, an insect zoo in the middle of the town. Yeah. Uh, but while they're there, they're having a dinner party. And mm-hmm. that dinner party, they end up throwing this huge Calypso number to try and scare that them was, off. That was awesome. You know, it was just, it was great. And I love that. Yeah. And I had to laugh. And, and Yeah, that was. They finally realized that, hey, we're not, you know, the Maitlands finally realized that they're not going to be able to scare the crap out of them to get yeah. them out of the house. That what they're doing isn't working. And so mm-hmm. they decide they're going to call in Beetlejuice. And. They're like, ah, you know, we really can't do this. We really shouldn't do this. And Lydia says, I'm going to call them in anyway. Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice kind of convinces her to call him in to scare them away, to get everybody out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while he's doing that, the, you know, uh, Otho finds the book for the recent, for the handbook for the recently deceased. He starts looking mm-hmm. forward to it, looking through it. And he discovers that he can basically call them back from the dead so that they can meet the ghosts and have this huge party going on with them. Uh-huh. And he pulls through, he conducts a seance. Um, and Otho basically unwittingly, he performs an exorcism while doing it. And he's like, I can't stop this. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so that's when Lydia summons Beetlejuice. Uh, she agrees to marry Beetlejuice. If Beetlejuice will save the Maitlands. Okay. I was going to say that was that whole, the last 20 minutes of the movie kind of confused me a little bit. Yeah. Okay. It was, I, okay. I have to say, I think that was just bad writing all the way around. It, it was like, 
here's a, here's a way to solve it, and boom, and we're we're moving right along to end the film. Yeah, it was very quick, and it was very it wasn't very explained very well. And I, in my opinion, you know, I just yeah. was like, uh, what the fuck is going on here? And then in the imagery, and yeah, it was just what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> the last twenty thirty minutes, yeah. Yeah, and we see Lydia showing up in that red dress, and she's getting yeah. married to Beetlejuice, and yeah, and, it was like what the fuck. <laughs> you know, and the way that the movie ends, I, I thought that was really kind of odd how they killed off Beetlejuice in that. You know, they have – and they didn't really kill him off either. He just no, was eaten by the sandworm. Yeah, it was weird. I just – yeah. And the reason that we know he wasn't killed off is because later on you see him in the afterlife office and he's sitting there yeah. in the office of the afterlife yeah. waiting to speak to his caseworker. Yep. And he's next to the witch doctor uh, yep. and he's next to the guy with the – you know, the guy with the shrunken head and all that. Uh-huh. That's right. So, I mean, and it was kind of just really this, what the fuck? It was very bizarre. I just, I watched it twice and I'm like, I, yeah, it it was very bizarre. You know, and again, I'm chalking this up to it just being really weird. Tim Burton. Tim Burton yeah. shit. So, you know, yeah, this exactly. is, I am not a fan of Tim Burton. About the only thing that I've really liked by Tim Burton, I mean, like really, really thought it was awesome was mm-hmm. Big Fish. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, I, you know, I, see it. you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm again. I'm kind of like you. I'm not a huge Tim Burton fan, but I do want to see, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> and uh, you know, I've seen. What yeah. was the other one you mentioned with Winona Ryder that she was in? Uh, uh, Girl Interrupted. Yes, or... I like that one. Was it was? Did he do that one? No, I don't. I don't think he did that one. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. There's just something about the quirkiness. That yeah. I just don't. Yeah, he's got weird. He's got weird stuff, and it's you know Tim Burton is his own character. I mean, you know, the guy he loves Helena Botham Carter, and he's got yeah, you know the Johnny Depp movie with her, the uh, the Killer Barber or whatever. Yeah, that was which, weird. Yeah, which Johnny Depp film with her with oh. uh, Helena Botham Carter and John, you know Johnny Depp? Is They've it the one where like, he? He was a barber, and he was like, he oh yeah, killed. That, that's well, that's the demon barber of uh, the demon barber of, of uh, uh, Barber Street or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, it's just I'm not it's, a fan typically. Yeah, but this one I, I did like, but it just it, the end just kind of was like, eh, yeah, yeah. It was it was a good for Halloween type film, and I'll I'll give it that, but yeah, it's not one of my favorites. Sorry, no, yeah. Uh, now. Couple things I, I do want to move into trivia here for this film because there's a lot uh-huh. of trivia regarding this. Cool. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say a lot, a lot, but I do have some things to pull out here for it. Uh, in the wedding scene at the very end, where we see Lydia and she's wearing a yeah. dress in bright red, you know, oh. I, I thought that was kind of weird because in my mind, you always had a bride wearing white. Well, yes. Apparently, it turns out that there is an old rhyme about weddings, uh, uh-huh. about wedding dress colors, and it's married in red. Better off dead. Yeah. And since she was going to be yes. killed, and she was this very goth and you know into death, plus uh-huh. she's marrying you know a ghost. Yeah. Or she's going to get married in red. Yes, I, I I picked up on that right away too. Plus, red symbolizes blood, and you know blood, death. You know it. it that was that I saw that too, and I'm like, this is very deliberate. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, now another little bit of trivia here at the very very beginning of the film when you first see like the credits starting to come up for the film. Uh-huh. You see the the Geffen logo when it starts spinning around uh-huh. and you start I to that. hear Deo being sung. 
Uh-huh. Okay, that's not Harry Belafonte singing that. That is actually Danny Elfman. And he was a composer for the song, for the soundtrack, right? Yes. Yes, he was. Uh-huh. I um, loved the soundtrack of this movie. That was the first thing that struck me right away. I, I did love the soundtrack to this. Yes. It, it was, yeah. you know, Danny Elfman did a great job for this film. And I, I yes, he he did. definitely has recognizable stuff coming out of this. Very cool. Uh, now, the other thing I have to make mention of this, because if I did not, my astronomy teacher would fry my ass for this. <laughs> uh, the title character of Beetlejuice is named for a bright red star in the constellation of Orion. Uh-huh. Um, the spelling for it is B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was German. I was going to ask about that. No, it I... It looks like it's pronounced Betelgeist, but that is yes. not the correct pronunciation. Oh. And I, it, Beetlejuice is the correct pronunciation for this. Really? So that's where I, they thought, got I it. thought it was a German name. I thought that it no. was like kind of a play on his – oh, wow. Okay. No, and my astronomy teacher made a distinct point of pointing that out to us all. Betelgeuse oh, is the correct pronunciation for that star. And she oh. goes, everybody thinks it's a joke. They think that, you know, that – that they named it after the movie Beetlejuice? No, the star yeah. came first. I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah. And, I never and, even knew there was a star, so that's very cool. Yeah, she made a big deal of pointing that out. And originally the film was going to be called uh, – they wanted they disliked the title and they wanted to call the film House Ghosts. Oh, uh-huh. Okay, so Tim Burton says, well, why don't we just call it you know, Scared Sheetless? And uh, the studio goes, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're going back to Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah, Beetlejuice is the best, yeah. So uh, now when we do see the all the spirits, because we, we, we do get a glimpse at the netherworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, we noticed, I don't know if you noticed, but all the spirits with the exception of Adam and uh-huh. Barbara, they all have something wrong with them, like the slit wrists, yes. the, the running I over the truck. That. Yeah, because they had drowned, right? Right, and everybody so... you see has, they, they appear as how they died. Exactly. The one guy that was a smoker who was smoking in bed and caught himself on fire and burned up. Yep. Okay. They were originally, at the beginning, the concept was that they were going to be walking around dressed Uh up in wet clothes and drenched. Yeah. However, they could not do that because they said, Tim Burton said, he goes, I'm not going to do that. One, that's going to be too uncomfortable for the actors. Yeah. Two, it's going to be a mess to clean up and deal with. Oh, yeah. So he said, you know what? We're just going to deal with it where they're dressed normally. And we'll leave it. But it was the one odd thing because you see everybody else that yes. appeared as they died. I noticed that too. And I'm like, they look perfectly normal. But then I thought, well, they drowned. So, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there, there's so many – and you see so many different ways that people uh, people died. You see a, a camper who was bitten by a rattlesnake. You see a diner uh-huh. who choked on what looked like looks like a chicken bone. Yep. Uh, the surfer who was attacked by the shark. You see the shark hanging off his leg there in, in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all these things here, you start, there's just so many that were showing up throughout this. So I thought it yeah. was kind of a nice touch. I thought so too. Yeah. Uh, but definitely it, it kind of brings back to Tim Burton's kind of weirdness and quirkiness throughout. Uh-huh. Um, again, that was probably, that was something that looking back now as an adult, I liked. Uh-huh. When I first saw it as a kid, I didn't like it. I was kind of like creeped out by it. Because all I could think was, if I die, am I going to end up like that? 
Yeah, and I think, you know, you brought up a good point. If I had seen it at 11, 12 years old, I probably wouldn't have liked it either. A, because I didn't understand a lot, you know, that I don't I don't want to say that because Michael Keaton did an excellent job, but it was also kind of off putting. So even as a kid, I probably would have watched that and be like, I don't like this character. He's a bad guy. And then the creepiness factor um, and then a lot of the humor I didn't get. I probably wouldn't have gotten as a kid. So, yeah, I pro- I'm glad that I saw it for the first time as an adult because as a kid, yeah. I wouldn't have liked it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not the sort of thing. And I know that there are probably a lot of parents out there that would let their kids watch this without yeah. a second thought. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. If you do that and you think that your kids can handle it, more power to you. I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. let my kids watch this. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking that too. I'm like, was this marketed as a kid movie because there was cussing in it? There was you oh, know yeah. sexual situations. I shouldn't say sexual situations. Sexual well, let, let's there there was uh, the there was the whorehouse that Beetlejuice yeah. ended up going into, which I thought was kind of weird, but. Yeah, exactly. That was just like you know again, kind of furthering the character that you know or the you know. Yeah, I he's a dirtbag, you know, but I yeah, it, to me, I was like, was this marketed as a kid movie, a kid Halloween movie? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and that's the other weird thing is that I remember seeing that and thinking, OK, well, this was marketed here. You know, we, we see the Beetlejuice movie and then they come out with a cartoon show aimed at, you know, 10 and 11 year old kids, which I thought was really uh, kind of incongruous. Yeah, I I'm very curious. Maybe that's why I didn't see it as a kid. Maybe my parents didn't let me. It, yeah, you know, maybe, it was just yeah. it was really really weird. And I thought, okay, you know, I guess that's it. I guess that's the way uh-huh. things are. So, uh huh. But I think that pretty much does it for this episode here. I don't have anything more unless you have something that you want to bring up. Um, you know, I actually, um, as I do with other movies, I observe a lot of kind of neat things, things that, you know, just oddball things that just kind of get my attention. And I thought it was really cute. Like the little touches, like, I don't know if you noticed the sign before, um, Adam and Margaret went into the bridge before they died. The sign said, come back again soon. And I thought it was really cute. I was like, oh, that's cool. How they put the little touch, come back again soon I on the little. see that. I did yeah, not pick up on a, that. It was a little picket sign right as they go into the bridge. Come back again soon. So I thought, that's cute. A little nod to them coming back, you know. Um, you know, and Michael Keaton reading the Afterlife newspaper. I thought that was cute, oh, too. Oh, that was and classic. He, and Especially then he goes, when... into the, he goes into the obituary to look for a job. I was like, that. Yeah. Let's look at the help wanted <laughs> section, obituaries. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you see that, and then you see, like, uh, the front page. Sand percent, uh, sandworm attacks up 12%. Exactly. I was like, oh, and then, God. And just like the little things like Winona Ryder's outfits, like wearing the funeral attire during dinner. I was like watching that. And I'm going, what the fuck? You know, she's so over the top trying to get attention. And her parents are just not, you know, like understandably because they're so wrapped up in themselves and the house and just so freaking selfish, but she's walking around in freaking funeral attire, you know, yeah. veil covering her face and stuff. I'm just like, Oh my God. You know, this is a kid screaming for help, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Just, she was just, she was fucking weird. And I, I did notice that like out of all that, she was that whole weird, you know, out of norm type character. And then at the very end of the film, yeah. We see her getting in like she's wearing this little schoolgirl outfit. Yeah, she's wearing the skirt. Good girl. And yeah. she's riding a bicycle off looking like Dorothy going home. And I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah, she becomes the good girl, a little normal, you know. And then I was like, and I was wondering about that. 
I, you know, I don't know if I missed something, but was she dead? And she was, was did she come back as a ghost? No, I didn't know if that. So she no. was alive. She was alive. She straightened up because the Maitlands helped her at the very end. Remember, she was singing yeah. like they went through the the tests, and they're like, "Come on, we studied for this math test. You, what did you? Yeah, you know, we studied. What did you get?" And then they, and she goes, "I got an A. I got an A." You know, so they ended so, up doing that whole uh, jump in the line thing. Yeah, so they all ended up coexisting in the house. Obviously, they didn't move. They didn't leave the house. You know, the parents were still there. She was still there. I just kind of took it to mean that after Beetlejuice went away, that everything just they, they kind of learned to coexist, and yes. they were all in the house together. So that was how that was what I took from it. But I was like, yeah, what a, what a great transition from freaking goth, depressed, you know, to um, stepping it up and being a little bit more normal. You know, yeah, it was normal like, okay, being relative cool. for that family and that household. Exactly. And then I have to say, um, what was up with all the model houses? Was he an architect? I, I didn't quite get That was just his hobby. He liked to do that sort of stuff and, and fix everything up to make it look like models. You know, he was trying to model oh, the town okay. and everything because that was his idyllic, his thing to get away from. Yeah. You know. And then I, I thought it was cute, like, uh, um, trying to think oh the scene where they dress up as ghosts to try to scare the family off i thought it was hilarious we're ghosts and they're trying to be scary yeah. and don't so let your mother hilarious. see that you've cut holes in her 300 dollars sheets <laughs> that whole scene i was just like oh that's too funny you know it's so cheesy but so funny they're yeah. so not scary and then of course to try to scare them again the whole calypso thing i'm like really yes <laughs> that's now, the best you can come up with i have to i have <laughs> to mention here you know it's, it's kind of a small thing to me but my wife loved that song at, at the very end, the, the jump in the line I love so it. much. Yes, I love well, it. When we had our wedding and we were we were announcing the people to go ahead and get in line for the buffet, uh-huh. uh, we had that song playing to say jump in the line, you know, go get in line for the buffet. It was, oh, it was a goofy little thing, but my wife was like, I want to do that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that song. It's such a you know happy feel good song, and that was cool. And then I had to go what the fuck because that, as she was being elevated at the end, I'm like what the fuck. You know? Yeah. You know? Well, but... they made her fly, and they had all the football team standing there dancing on the yeah. stairs. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's cool, but yeah, I was just like, yeah, it, the yeah, I'd say the very last scene kind of made up for the previous twenty minutes of what the fuck. Yeah. In my opinion, it yeah. kind of did. It was like, okay, everything's calmed down now. Beetlejuice is gone. You know, they've all, they're all coexisting in the house. Cool. Um, but yeah, it, overall, I really did. I thought it was cute. But yeah. there, were, there were quite a few what-the-fuck moments for me. So oh, it was yeah. just kinda, it's, that's typical Tim Burton. But I, you know, I'm glad that I saw it. You know, another side note, I'm glad that I saw it for the first time as an adult. Yeah. So I really appre- appreciate the humor and the, you know, all the little things, the little things I noticed in there and, yeah. you know, appreciate the, you know, all the actors did a really, really good job in my opinion. I love Catherine O'Hara in this. Oh my oh, yeah. God. She was brilliant as that snobby bitch stepmother. I just, oh. The, the, the best thing I remember for her and it, it sticks in my mind is when she's getting ready to start talking about the, you know, they're getting ready to have the dinner and all yes. of a sudden she like bursts out in the song and the look on her face was kind of like, what the hell's happening? And she's like just singing and it's kind of like this crazed look on her face. Like yeah. what the hell's coming over me? That made me laugh more than anything else. Oh yeah. And she pulled that off so good. She was yeah. like, you could tell. Yeah. That she was not in control. yeah. I don't know how she did that, but it looked like she was definitely not in control of her body. It was brilliantly done. Oh, yeah. That just... whole, that whole scene for sure. Um, so, yeah. I, 
I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this episode. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have anything more to cover. Uh, I do want to kind of just let you guys know that for the rest of October, we have planned out. We do have an idea of what's going to happen. And it is going to be a Halloween theme for this month. Uh, so expect to see, you know, expect to see some horror type films and some, you know, some cult films and some classics coming in. Uh, I, I really don't want to reveal too much more than that because we're still not sure what order things are going to be going in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just be be aware that it will be Halloween themed. <laughs> awesome. I look forward to it. It'll be fun. Uh, so I do want to say that, uh, you know, we do appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, this does wrap it up for this episode of Talk About My Generation. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, we do appreciate that. We will pay attention. Uh, please continue to leave us feedback on Facebook. We will give mentions out for people who do. Uh, you can also send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. Uh, Spurs out. Uh-huh, and I am at Mommy of 3 c Girl. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can, like I mentioned, you can visit us on Facebook or you can go and see us at mygenerationpodcast.com and leave us a message there as well. Uh, so for this episode, I have not kind of picked out a music, music yet for us to, to listen to, but I will probably, I do have an idea, so it will probably end up being a surprise for you guys. All so right. You'll hear what we've got after this. All right.
Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. 